visions of bodies being burnt. This is Sirens Radio. Don't adjust your dial. This is Radio 660 The Beacon, and you're listening to Sirens Radio. I'm Sierra Hauk, and I'm here with Melissa Megan and Jackie DeVore. Hi, ladies. Hello, hello. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for joining me on the, the dark air tonight. Ooh. Are we in the studio? We're in the live studio? Yeah. We're live in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Shatterproof glass. I want like a, yep. a soundboard panel, you know, that does like cheering and random stuff. Weep, 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 weep. <laughs> yeah, a soundboard. <laughs> yeah, how have you guys been? It's been forever. Has it? Two weeks? Yeah, we've been too busy like luring men with our with our songs. <laughs> with our siren scream. <laughs> it actually has been a minute. We usually talk a lot in between shows. We've all been mm-hmm. busy lately. I've been busy watching American Gods like Melissa has. Oh god, me too. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I went in this document this week to write down my recommendation and just like type American gods in cap all caps. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all I want to talk about. <laughs> that's what I've watched and that's what I've thought about. Well, it's so good. So what are you loving about it so far? Well, should we do like, okay, should we do like a quick little kind of synopsis for those who might not be so aware of what it is? Yeah, that, that would be a good idea. <laughs> we love it. And you guys don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> um, American Gods is a new TV show that just came out. Um, what is it on? Stars. Stars. Channel. What? It's on Stars. I want to say on Thursday. Stars. There we go. Maybe uh, it's based on a Neil Gaiman novel. It's about a recently released ex-convict named Shadow who meets a mysterious man, calls himself Mr. Wednesday, um, and a bunch of other crazy characters. And. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's it's hard to go too far into this without giving away too many spoilers on it. Wait, no, like, I've I've come up with a good like simple description because I've talked to at least a dozen people into reading this book over the years. It's it's honestly one of my <laughs> favorite books. Okay, okay, so basically, gods have to be believed in in order to continue existing. And in this new world that we live in, with technology and you know internet, radio, all these things that weren't around back in the old days, we have invented new gods. So now the old gods and the new gods have to decide who stays and who goes. Absolutely. Yeah. I was super excited to see Gillian Anderson in the most recent episode. Yes. Our girl. (laughs) Okay. I haven't seen the most recent episode because it just came on last night. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. So don't spoil it for me, (laughs) Jazz. I have to watch it tomorrow night because tonight we're recording. Yeah. Well, we'll just talk a lot about that in the next episode then. I already am totally in love with like every character. Mm Mm-hmm. Ian McShane is Mr. Wednesday. Oh, yes. I am so, so over the moon for the casting so far. Oh, he's such a, like, he's such a dick. He's so, like, you know, like, you just know. Yeah, like, you just know that he's just a bad guy, but he's, like, got the smile But he's got that charm. Yeah. 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 I love how he just goes to sleep. He's on the plane, and he's like, yeah, I can sleep anywhere. He's like, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Have we all read the book? I've read it. I have. Yeah. Okay, good. I think they're doing a really good job adapting it so far. I'm very interested to see where it goes. There's so many different, you know, so many different characters, all the different gods that we're going to be introduced to. I'm really super psyched to see, like, 
how they interpret all of them. I really love too. I think maybe I'm, I'm making maybe I'm making this up, but I thought when they take a novel or something usually and they adapt it into a TV show, don't they normally have a lot of fun with the words and kind of like rewrite a screenplay and mm-hmm. you know kind of do that sort of thing and yeah at least in the first episode the entire thing was like word for word yeah the novel yeah right i'm excited because brian fuller is working on the teleplay and i think maybe directing a little bit and i just watched pushing daisies for the first time which i'm (laughs) a little ashamed to admit because i should have watched it a lot sooner it's so cute (laughs) it's so good but it's just the right amount of playfulness to like make neil gaiman's work not super duper dark you know yeah yeah and i feel like uh neil gaiman has had a a strong hand in the production of it just in general Mm -hmm. in terms of adapting it which is always good he's you know there's we can never say enough good things about neil gaiman Mm -hmm. i've never heard a bad thing ever said about neil gaiman like (laughs) he's like hugh laurie like who could hate this guy you know (laughs) (laughs) One thing that I was really curious how it would be adapted to screen was that whole scene with Bill Quist in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And when that came on, I was like, damn, they're just going for it, aren't they? Yep. Like, no, yep. no secrets here. Like, damn, <laughs> there's no. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, I would also recommend if anybody wants to get more familiar with American Gods, but like you, you're not going to sit down and read the book right away. Uh, Dark Horse Comics just started an American Gods comic series, too. <gasps> really? And there's only, I think there's two or three I- issues out now. And it's pretty, it's pretty damn fantastic. It's got tons and tons of, like, variant artwork from all kinds of amazing artists. So if you want to see kind of, like, a slightly different graphical interpretation of it, but word for word, it is American Gods. So it's it's mm-hmm. funny to kind of read that. I read the comic book, started reading it like two weeks before the show came on. And then to see the first episode and hear the same words over again, like, <laughs> and you know what I mean? Because the comic sort of like you see the character in my head now as what I saw it in the comic book. And now I see it mm-hmm. as a different interpretation of the character. <laughs> so that's pretty interesting. Yeah. But I love the show so much. I'll probably stop reading the comic for a bit now just to not mash them in my head too much. Mm hmm. Yeah, that could get confusing. Yeah, American Gods, get into it. Another <laughs> TV thing that I want to mention, do you guys watch Bob's Burgers at all? Yes. Did you see the most recent episode? I forget which one it was. It was <laughs> the one where the kids put on a Mother's Day play. I don't think I have. Oh, man, you guys got to watch this one because they they adapted Alien for the state. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> say that with a straight face they literally <laughs> made a play out of alien and it was like not even just alien like i i'm just gonna spoil this for you because i can't hold it back it's like a cross between alien and freaky friday and really, <laughs> like i want to see this shit on broadway it's incredible that's so good you're gonna love it so much oh my god I could. I want them to go on tour with it, like um, Always Sunny did the Dayman tour. <laughs> I would be there. That I'd would be, be at so like half good. a dozen shows. <laughs> <laughs> I need to watch more of that. I saw two episodes of it, and then I thought, "Oh, this is so funny! I need to wait and watch this with Ryan." And so I waited, and then he was like, "Yeah, I've watched some of them." 
<laughs> okay, I'm going to go back and watch it by myself then. <laughs> yeah. It's really funny to listen to comedy podcasts and then watch Bob's Burgers and be like, I know that voice. That's so-and-so. Oh, yeah, and yeah. they're like, I don't know what their real face looks like, but I totally know who they are. Yeah, and they all run in a lot of circles. Like between Fox and FX, I think there's a lot of crossover with animation Mm -hmm. uh, voices there. And frickin' God, H. John Benjamin. Oh, yeah. I love that man. I love the shit out of that man. Have you seen his jazz video? No. He made a jazz video (laughs) because he doesn't know anything about jazz. (laughs) It doesn't know how to sing or play an instrument. So he made a jazz song. Uh, that's it's delightful not, it's not horror related at all but damn everybody needs to see it mm-hmm. <laughs> speaking of Ooh. alien my son was traumatized by seeing the trailer for the new alien no. on friday so i can't wait till those nightmares happen <laughs> mm-hmm. i think there was like an io9 article or something saying that it's not spectacular like i thought it looked pretty exciting reviews. yeah I'm, I'm excited for it. for it, but it was like one of the very first reviews to say, like, it's okay. It's not like as good as you want it to be, though, which is hmm. scary. So maybe go into it with kind of lowered expectations and hopefully get blown away. Maybe. Well, like if we're coming off of Prometheus, which people weren't super overwhelmed by. Yeah. Maybe it'll be better than that, but not as good as like Alien proper. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still really excited for it. Yeah. We're going to have to do a whole show on it. Can I throw in one more recommendation? Do it. No, yes. we don't do recommendations about movies here. just reminded me of something that I saw that I haven't got to talk about yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I never do recommendations. It's, <laughs> it's a movie called The Voices, and it's from 2014. It's a little bit older. Is but, that the one um, with Ryan Reynolds? It is. Yes. <laughs> it is. It was kind of, I don't know how we got it. Somehow it ended up on our on our Plex server, and we're just like, and Ryan said, we got to check this movie out. It's kind of weird. And I'm like, oh, it's Ryan Reynolds. I'm going to make a confession, okay? I always think Ryan Reynolds is funny. I don't know why. I know that he's not always funny. But there's just something about him that Nobody I always is. like. I just yeah, I just can't stop giggling whenever he's mm-hmm. I just find him ridiculous and, and charming and funny all the time. So what um, you're saying is Ryan Reynolds in a horror movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Tell me more. And I was impressed. I gotta say, I was impressed with his performance. It's about a very likable guy named Gary who, um, th- well, this is the, the little intro they give, which I think is kind of silly. Uh, a likable guy pursues his office crush with the help of his evil talking pets, but things turn sinister when she stands him up for a date. Womp womp. So Jerry is this really, like, goofy, chipper guy who's always happy and nice to everybody, and he works in this factory. I think they do, like, pipes or something, plumbing supplies. And he has a crush uh, on a woman in his office who's played by Gemmett Arterton. He tries to woo her and things don't go so great. And he also happens to talk to his pets. He has a a dog who is this, <laughs> has the voice of sort of like a, like a goofy, super friendly, like southern old man. And then he has a cat who's just a bastard. The cat is like, he's a cat. got a Scottish a cat? accent. <laughs> The cat has a Scottish accent and he just like he just talks shit to him every time he walks in the door. He just sits on the other side of the room sort of glaring at him. He's like, what did you do today? What the hell is wrong with you? He just starts 
talking shit to him. It's fantastic. I will say he so Ryan Reynolds is insane in case you can't gather it by this. He's completely insane. And I'm not going to tell you exactly what's going on with him, but I thought he played this role really well. Hmm. The movie got way darker than I expected it to. It's a dark, dark, dark comedy. <laughs> yeah, I want to think that it was marketed as just a comedy. And then because it was so dark, it didn't like pick up as much as it maybe should have. And so people don't know about it so much. That that makes sense. It would mm-hmm. be a tough movie to market because I'm not really sure where to fit it into in my brain. Yeah, totally. It's it's definitely got a comedy aspect that runs constantly through it. But like the material and the events that happen are so dark, like down to where there was a level of graphic sort of gore involved in some of this that really took me by surprise for a for dark comedy, I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> like, like we're gonna see like gurgly blood and eyeball things, and okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's not the best movie I've seen, but I thought it was really enjoyable, and I love when I see an actor that's sort of not, you know, I wouldn't call Ryan Reynolds critically acclaimed to be gentle. Well, mm-hmm. I like when I see something like this, and an actor like is really, really kind of pulls out something unexpected. Steps out of the comfort zone kind of thing. Yeah, he usually kind of, no matter what role he plays, he always kind of has a little bit of that, like, alpha male thing going yeah. on, you know? Yeah. And I thought in this one, it was just non-existent. Like, he he really came across as, like, somebody who's fragile and, like, super harmless. Hmm. Which I can't even imagine true. that. Yeah. Have you guys seen... um Blue Valentine? Blue Velvet? Yes. That really uh, traumatizing one. Ryan Gosling? One? Oh, I'm mixing up my Ryans. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Because <laughs> I was about to say, like, what about that one? That made me feel things. <laughs> now they're two different people. It's funny you bring that up because when Melissa mentioned Ryan Reynolds usually being the alpha and then being this meek fellow here, I immediately thought of Ryan Gosling in Lars and the Real Girl. Mm-hmm. That's a good one too. Too many Ryan's, man. Yeah. Just like how Chris Pine was on this week's SNL and he had a bit <laughs> yeah. about like I am not Ryan or I am, I am not Chris uh all the other Chris's. It's yeah. so necessary. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because they all look the same. <laughs> I, I just had a conversation that day with a client at work about it too, where I tried to explain <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy tour, and she was like, "Oh, is that that guy who plays Thor?" I was like, "No, that's a different Chris." <laughs> they went home and watched Saturday Night Live. I was like, "Yeah, you're right." Yep. <laughs> a friend of mine writes for Saturday Night Live, and she posted what? that she wrote she she and a couple other people wrote that intro for him. And when I saw Chris Pine, I was like, "Wait, is that the one that was Captain America?" <laughs> and I had to like look no. at the picture and realize who it was. <laughs> Well, there's one other horror thing that I want to mention. Right now, Gallery 1988, which is an art gallery down in LA, is doing a Stephen King-themed show. Really? Yeah, it's just called King, and we'll post it in the show notes, but it's all just Stephen King-inspired work, and it's all so good. (laughs) So yeah, if anybody's looking for some new art for their walls, they should totally go buy some stuff, or if you live in LA, go check it out. Can you view the whole show online? Yeah, it's all online right now. Yeah, they're really good uh, with their curation and their mm-hmm. and their uh, themes. 
they're like i'd say one of the best like pop culture nerd kind of art galleries yeah i vehemently agree with that one Mm -hmm. that's where i met edgar wright and simon pegg and nick frost nice at an, at an edgar wright themed art show yeah nice. so i'm a big fan of gallery 1988 for making that happen <laughs> you're listening to sirens radio where we connect popular songs to their horrific roots southern trees they're strange fruit Blood on the leaves And blood at the root Black bodies swinging In the southern breeze Strange fruit hanging From the poplar trees Pastoral scene of the gallant south, the bulging eyes and the twisted mouth, scent of magnolia, sweet and fresh. Then the sudden smell of burning flesh. Here is a fruit for the crows to pluck, for the rain to gather. Strange Fruit by Billie Holiday, which was recorded in 1939. And we'll get to Billie Holiday in a second. But first, I want to talk about the person who wrote this song called Abel Mirpole, a.k.a. Lewis Allen. And he wrote this in 1937. It was a poem that he wrote. Mirpole was born in New York in 1903 with his parents, Russian Jewish immigrants. And in 1921, he graduated from DeWitt Clinton. Then he got his bachelor's degree at City College of New York and his master's from Harvard. And then he returned to DeWitt and taught English for 17 years. Along with being a teacher, he was also a poet and a songwriter. He published his work under the pseudonym Lewis Allen, which was a tribute to two stillborn children. But he didn't remain childless. He and his wife later went on to adopt two boys, Michael and Robert. Hmm. And this is where things get weird. <laughs> so they they came to adopt these boys after they were introduced to them at a Christmas party 
at the home of W.E.B. Du Bois. The boys were orphaned at the time. Their parents were Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, which you might have heard about in U.S. history class. They were part of a huge scandal where they were convicted of committing espionage. At the time, these boys were just 6 and 10 years old, and their parents were executed for sharing government secrets about the atomic bomb with the Soviet Union. Dang. I know. (laughs) And this was a huge scandal because it was husband and wife who were executed in the electric chair. And it was like the first time this couple had, you know, it was this big thing. And it was a time when McCarthyism was at its height. And because of this huge scandal, the boys were passed around between grandparents and family friends, but they never really settled anywhere until eventually the Maripoles took them in. And Julius and Ethel Rosenberg were executed, even though they and their sons and many others fought to prove that they were just victims of Cold War paranoia. And in 1995, documents were released about the Verona Project, plus there was some testimony from the Rosenberg's co-defendant revealed that the dad, Julius, was involved in some form, but it was never really proven that he actually said, these are the secrets and like he didn't really like have a huge role in it he just kind of knew the wrong people and there was never any evidence to say that ethel was even involved and so even as recent as in the 20 i think 2014 ish they petitioned president obama to formally exonerate ethel rosenberg and proclaim that she was wrongfully executed that's crazy I know. And all of this, the basis of Strange Fruit, basically. So Abel Mirapol's lyrics were written and the song was covered by many artists, but Billie Holiday's version is obviously the most popular. In 1978, her version was added to the Grammy Hall of Fame. And in 1999, Time Magazine named Strange Fruit as the song of the century. Across the board, it's regarded as a hugely important part of U.S. history, and it's seen as the catalyst of civil rights movement, and it was the original protest song. That's awesome. Yeah. The lyrics of Strange Fruit were written by a white Jewish guy, and they were sang by a black woman, and I think they're just as haunting today as they were in the 30s, and they are absolutely terrifying. Hate crimes, of course, are on the rise this year, and America's still growing that strange, bitter crop. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Are there any particular lyrics that really stick out to you personally? Like, this is a song, I i mean, I've heard it a billion times, like everybody else has. I never knew it had mm-hmm. that background. Yeah, so it's obviously about lynching, and it's written by this man who is just very empathetic, and was very used to a life in America where you're being seen as an other. And it has that very, like, haunting kind of tone, so yeah. I feel it's associated with horror a lot, and it kind of is mysterious and it just sticks with you so much you know we read some of these lyrics yeah so the lyrics are really cool southern trees bear strange fruit blood on the leaves and blood at the root black bodies swinging in the southern breeze strange fruit hanging from poplar trees pastoral scene of the gallant south the bulging eyes and the twisted mouth scent of magnolias sweet and fresh then the sudden smell of burning flesh I know. Here is fruit for crows to pluck, for the rain to gather, for the wind to suck, for the sun to rot, for the trees to drop. Here is a strange and bitter crop. Yeah, that is... Yeah. Damn. And then you have Billie Holiday's amazing voice singing that. Yeah. Yeah. The imagery of uh, those lyrics actually kind of remind me of the witches a little bit. 
I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah. Really? I didn't make that connection at all. <laughs> but that's so true. It's also kind of relevant to American gods a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just the, the, the yeah, the kind of imagery of like the trees with blood in the roots and, yeah. mm-hmm. and the eyes and twisted mouths coming out. Exactly. Reminds me yeah. of, yeah, the witches Even growing the out of the tree. smell of burning flesh mm-hmm. is in there too. So yeah, that's just one song that has real horrific roots. Pardon the pun. Now let's go into something a little cheerier. <laughs> uh, with The Devil Went Down to Georgia by the Charlie Daniels Band. down to Georgia, he was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man sawing on a fiddle and playing it hot, and the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul because I think I'm better than you. The boy said, my name's Johnny, and it might be a sin, but I'll take your bet you're going to regret because I'm the best as ever been. Johnny, rise up your bow and play your fiddle hard because hell's broke loose in Georgia and the devil deals the cards. And if you win, you get this shiny fiddle made of gold. But if you lose, the devil gets your soul. up his case and he said I'll start this show and fire flew from his fingertips as he rosined up his bow and he pulled the bow across the strings and it made an evil hiss and then a band of demons joined in and it sounded something like this Johnny said, well, you're pretty good, old son, but sit down in that chair right there and let me show you how it's done. Fire on the mountain, run, boys, run. The devil's in the house of the rising sun. Chicken in the bread pan, picking out dough. Granny, does your dog bite, no child, no. The devil bowed his head because he knew that he'd been beat. And he laid that golden fiddle on the ground at Johnny's feet. Johnny said, devil, just come on back if you ever want to try again. Because I told you once, you son of a gun, I'm the best as ever been. He played fire on the mountain, run, boys, run. Devil's in the house of the rising sun. The chicken in the bread feather picking out dough. Granny, we don't fight no child, no.
much like the last one, this was also inspired by a poem called The Mountain Whippoorwill by Stephen Vincent Bennett. And the poem starts out where it explains that this narrator lives in the mountain without his mother and father. And he goes down to Essex Country Fair to the fiddle competition. And he says he's going to compete and everybody thinks he can't do it. And then these other fiddle, famous fiddle players play and they do really well. And then it's his turn and everyone's like, he's going to bomb. And then the poem goes, try and stop my fiddle. Now my fiddle's getting hot. Whipple will singing through the mountain hush. Whipple will singing through the burning bush. Whipple will crying in the stable door. Sing tonight as you never sang before. Hells broke loose like a stomping mountain shop. Sing till you bust the gold in your throat. Hells broke loose for 40 miles round. Bound to stop your music if you don't sing it down. Sing on the mountains, little Whippoorwill. Sing to the valleys and slap them with a hill. For I'm strutting high as an eagle's quill. And hells broke loose. Hells broke loose. Hells broke loose in Georgia. Oh no. <laughs> then there wasn't a sound when I stopped bowing. Whippoorwill, you can sing no more. But somewhere or other, the dawn was growing. Oh, mountain Whippoorwill. And I thought, I've fiddled all night and lost. You're a good hillbilly, but you've been bossed. So I went to congratulate old man Dan, but he put his fiddle in my hand and then the noise of the crowd began. Which is all to say that he did a really good job and played all night and then he was like, oh darn, I lost. And then they were like, <laughs> no, take this fiddle and keep playing. Nice. Yes. This poem was written and inspired by this musician, Lo Stokes, who in and of himself is a huge legend and like really bizarre man the root of his poem was lou stokes defeating a then famous fiddle player called fiddlin john carson at the atlanta fiddlers convention which is apparently a big deal and six years after that low stokes was in a shootout on christmas eve and he had his hand blown off and then he went on to keep fiddle playing with a prosthetic robot hand what? what? I know! <laughs> <laughs> like, I figured, oh, it's just this weird poem, and it's inspired by this guy who plays the fiddle. That's cool. Oh, he has a robot hand? <laughs> <God>. <laughs> and he just, like, gets in shootouts all the time? That's awesome. <laughs> I would totally be that guy's friend. <laughs> yeah, he sounds really cool. Sounds like something from Westworld. <laughs> right? But also, in the poem... Whippoorwills are birds which sleep during the day and sing at night. Like other night birds, their cries are believed to be omens of death or misfortune. So it's interesting that throughout the poem, he relates the Whippoorwill to his mother. So that's some interesting imagery. Whippoorwills are annoying. They sing when you're really? trying to sleep I, and they're super annoying. I had no idea what they were until I started researching this because West Coast baby... <laughs> so it's not super clear if the guy who wrote the poem would like know the very specific lore about these birds but he did write a lot about the civil war and battles between the u.s and native americans who have these beliefs about the birds so it would make sense that he would be aware of it and work it into the poem and then he also wrote a story called the devil and daniel webster which was about a farmer who sells his soul to the devil. And he's defended by Daniel Webster, who is a fictional version of a famous salesman, lawyer, and orator. So this author is clearly 
thinking about the whole deal with the devil trope. And the deal with the devil trope is something that comes up a lot. I'm sure we all kind of know about it. Yeah. A lot of them are mostly like cautionary tales. But the one that's most famous probably and the one that is most closely related to this song is when Robert Johnson goes to the crossroads and he trades his soul to the devil to play guitar. And that in and of itself is super cool and weird. Sirens Radio. People are like, no, it's just a song. But then also there's a lot of accounts of people who know Johnson, like when he was just starting out and he was super bad. And then all of a sudden he was super good at playing guitar and he becomes this huge blues legend. And then also he's part of what's called the 27 Club, which is this ongoing term for famous musicians who all die at 27. Mostly people die from drug overdoses, car crashes, murder or suicide, and other artists in the 27 Club include Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain, and Amy Winehouse. So maybe he did have a deal with the devil. Maybe. The devil just likes 27. It's a good year. I guess so. I don't don't know all about numerology, but I don't know why 27 would have a lot of significance. Like, I've never seen that come up a lot before, you know? Yeah, but it is, like, 
weirdly coincidental how many famous yeah, it's a huge list yeah i bet you our friends at the witch files could tell us if 27 is the devil's number yeah has any relevant <laughs> meaning mm-hmm. it's spookyology <laughs> that's, that's a good point <laughs> yeah well between robert johnson selling his soul at the crossroads and steve bennett's poem and the charlie daniels band writing the devil went down to georgia we usually associate the deal with the devil stories with the U.S. South, but of course there's a deep history of these types of stories in Christian folklore. And the Faust story is probably the most influential and well-known story of that type. And this story comes from Germany from the late 1500s, and it's based off of a real guy called Johann George Faust, who was really bored and depressed with his regular life, so he tries to kill himself and then fails. And then he decides to call upon the devil and tries to, like, make a deal so that he can just gain all worldly knowledge and pleasures and just become, like, a superhuman because that's the solution to of all course. of your problems. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just bored, so I'm just going to make a deal with the devil. So the devil sends a demon who agrees to be his servant and uses his magic powers to help Foss do whatever he wants, but only for a set amount of time. And in most stories, it's for 24 years, so like one year for each hour of the day. And then after that, his soul belongs to the devil. So Faust agrees, and then different stories have him doing a bunch of different terrible things. Like he makes a woman fall in love with him and then have his child. But then the mother realizes that this is like the devil's spawn, basically, because like the devil made this happen. So she tries to drown the child and then she gets executed for murder. Damn. So it's just a lot of like bad shit happens. Usually in like the very original version of the story, Faust is completely like a corrupted bad person. And then at the end of like the term, the devil just takes him off to hell. But then there's a later version, which was written about 200 years later, which was like, let's make Christianity all great again. <laughs> Where Faust <laughs> is instead, he's like God's favorite person. For some reason, because he's probably this like white guy. <laughs> so of course he's God's favorite. <laughs> and he's just like a less horrible person. And it's mostly just the demon that like goes around and corrupts the wife. And then at the end, God saves him because he's like, even though Faust kind of did these terrible things or like let these terrible things happen, he's still like a good person. Seems legit. I like yeah, the first I guess person so. better. <laughs> me too <laughs> and there's all these like really dramatic plays and stories written about this um, so related to the devil went down to Georgia mm -hmm. I feel like we should mention that time that Fry made a deal with a robot devil in Futurama yeah <laughs> that's like straight up this whole thing mm -hmm. well and it's also interesting because then devil went down to Georgia he actually like thwarts the devil and it's it doesn't turn out to be this whole doom and gloom like cautionary tale mm -hmm. which is it seems like these stories normally are having spent my high school and college days in the deep south this is a song that you hear at every drunken party and a bunch mm -hmm. of rednecks like getting their real southern accents on just screaming it as loud as they can to a bunch of moonshine yeah <laughs> it's definitely yeah. one that everybody <laughs> will start singing if it comes on yeah Let's go from this one that's deeply rooted 
in 1500s Christianity to something a little more recent from 1977, the song Psycho Killer by the Talking Heads. We 
I feel like it's right there in the title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this one, of course, is obviously horror themed. But as I was kind of exploring the background of it, it was really interesting that it came out in tandem with the Son of Sam killings in New York. So this song is usually thought to be inspired by Son of Sam. But in 1979, Chris France explained that the song was written way before some the Son of Sam business. We were going to release it or earlier, but people would have thought, who are these creeps capitalizing on these brutal affairs? <laughs> the talking heads were saying that when they were writing the song, they imagined Alice Cooper doing a Randy Newman-themed ballad. And both the Joker and Hannibal Lecter were uh, inspirations for that. Which is fun because, of course, then Hannibal Lecter relates to Norman Bates from Psycho. What's his name from Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Leatherface. Leatherface, yeah. thank you, yeah. All being inspired by Ed Gein. So, in a way, Ed Gein kind of inspired this song, too. Just another item on the list of things that Ed Gein has inspired. Man, one crazy serial killer has given us so I know. much. So much, <laughs> so much to inspiration. Man, that sounds horrible, but seriously. Yeah, but even though this song wasn't inspired by Son of Sam, it's really eerie that a song that's sung from the perspective of a serial killer came out while this murderer was, like, leaving notes around. Letters that said things like, I feel like an outsider. I'm on a different wavelength than everyone else programmed to kill. However, to stop me, you must kill me. Attention all police, shoot first, shoot to kill or else. Keep out of my way or you will die. That's creepy. <laughs> I know, which, let's get into Son of Sam now. So in New York, between 1976 and 1977, David Berkowitz killed six people and wounded seven others, mostly targeting women with long hair. Although he gave himself the title Summon of Sam, he was also known as the 44 caliber killer because he shot his victims with a 44 caliber bulldog revolver. And between the high publicity of all of the attacks and his really cryptic, taunting letters, New York was just in this year-long panic. And Son of Sam became this well-known name uh, across the globe. And then finally, on August 10th, 1977, which, again, Psycho Killer came out the same year, <laughs> um, <laughs> he was finally caught and he confessed to the shootings and he started to explain that his neighbor's dog was the reason why he had killed because the dog was just like the devil incarnate and he demanded the blood of pretty young girls. And the dog's name Sam, of course, son of Sam. He said that the Sam mentioned in the first letter was his former neighbor, Sam Carr. He believed that Carr's black Labrador retriever, Harvey, was possessed by an ancient demon or possessed by the devil. And it was telling him to kill people. And then it gets even weirder after that. Uh, <laughs> he says that in 1987, he became a born-again Christian. He had this spiritual awakening where he doesn't want to answer to the devil anymore, and he calls himself the son of hope now. He says that God saved him in exchange for helping people as best as he can. So now he's he's in jail, and he just helps other inmates as best as he can and, like, gives spiritual guidance, which apparently he's can do. <laughs> so yeah, he just had this great awakening. This is my disbelieving face, like... 
I know. What are you doing, Berkowitz? Really? I'm really, I'm really interested in his thought process. And he's still alive, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Sounds like a really strong influence for the voices, too. Yeah. You're reading all of this. It's so creepy that his actions and that song just happen to line up. I know. It's a crazy coincidence. Do you mind if, do you mind if I read some of these lyrics you have here? Please do. So... The lyrics in Psycho Killer that we're looking at here are what I did that night, what she said that night, fulfilling my dreams. I throw myself towards glory. Headlong, I go towards glory. Yeah. (laughs) So I'll just try to explain like why I kill people and also like why much like Berkowitz said, like I'm just on a different frequency kind of thing. Yeah. So it's just a crazy coincidence that these things were just in kind of the common psyche. And it's obviously for good reason uh, mistaken to be inspired by son of sam i think if this were happening like in our time like here where we can watch this unfold i would have trouble believing them saying it's not Mm -hmm. (laughs) and to be fair they first played the song back in uh 74 so they had Mm -hmm. definitely written it and been working on it well before it but then it came out on the record and became you know super well-known song Maybe it was a good thing for the talking heads that all this stuff was happening. <laughs> like right. People were obsessed with murderers that their song about murder could take off. It's just one of those songs that everybody knows the lyrics to and everybody will start singing if it comes on, just like Devil Went Down to Georgia. But then it has all these like underlying meanings and influences and happenstances. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I basically just went down like a lot of rabbit holes in all of this. I love it. Thank you. For our listeners, we've been talking about doing this kind of episode where, you know, we each of us get really interested in particular subjects, a lot of them having to do horror. So you might see a few more of these in the future. Let us know if Mm -hmm. you like them. You're going to be playing around with our format a bit, right? Having some fun. And to be fair, I I wrote all of this down. So for anybody who's listening, if it felt like I was reading things, it's because I was. (laughs) And so I think we'll probably just post them as articles, too, on Mega Nerd, I think, if people want to read it all the way through and kind of revisit it. I have links to the articles I pulled it from. You have some incredible information going on in here. This is awesome. Thank you. All this stuff goes in, like, surprisingly deep. And it's all just super weird. And like, it's all stuff that happened in real life. Real life being super weird, like it does sometimes. Do you guys have any suggestions for uh, these kind of topics that you want to see us just really go down the rabbit hole on? We're into that. We're so (laughs) Mm -hmm. into that. (laughs) Yeah. I wanted Jackie to do a whole Radium Girls episode. Yeah, that might might be our next radio one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So things like that. Or other songs or things like that from pop culture that have these really horrific underlying like explanations or inspirations i really want to do some bedtime stories for you guys too Mm -hmm. i'm gonna Mm -hmm. find some fun short stories so i can read some creepy bedtime stories for you do some like weird creative playing around formats in the future so if you guys really like something then let us know if you think something was terrible let us know nicely don't be mean <laughs> or you can you can just hit me personally if it's mean i don't i, I don't mind <laughs> you could be mean at me that would be mean if you pinpoint one of us, and hate one of us. <laughs> that counts as being mean don't pick on my friends mm-hmm. 
<laughs> but yeah, we're going to play around with some content here and make it really cool for you guys. We are actually coming up on a year. A year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Our year anniversary is our next episode. I think we'd really, really love to talk about what our listeners think mm-hmm. and some of your feelings on the episodes, especially I'd like to hear about like favorite episodes and what were your favorite topics that we've covered in the past year. Yeah, I want to hear times when people have been listening and then thought like, oh, I have a story like that or I've seen a ghost or I've exactly. seen that cryptid or something like that. Or if you've caught I yourself talking stories. back, like talking with yes. us in our conversation, yeah. I do that with yes. podcasts sometimes. We want to know. That's the kind of stuff we want to exactly. know. Mm-hmm. Share it with us so we can share it on air for our one year anniversary because I'd love to kind of make that episode all about our listeners. And mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And the- the things that we can't hear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If people do want to get in contact with us, you can reach us via email at SOS at meganerdmedia.com and find us on Facebook and Twitter and Tumblr, all under Sirens of Scream. And Sirens of Scream is a member of the Meganerd Media family, and you can visit meganerdmedia.com for geek-related columns, reviews, interviews, and videos. I'm on the internet at Sierra Hout. Melissa, where can people find you? You can find me at Lissa Punch on Instagram and Twitter. And Jackie? I am Jackie the Robot on Instagram and Twitter. Going forward, I think we're going to like experiment a lot more and maybe hopefully do some video stuff. Hopefully do some streaming video game playing. We've gotten another request tonight for uh, streaming video games. So Cool. Cool. Yeah, we need to get that. <laughs> we'll get that sorted out. We promise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anything that you guys want to... Reflect on from year one and then talk about what you want to see going forward. We totally want to know that. We'll see you at our birthday party. Yeah, see you guys then. Bring your own hat. (laughs) I lost my heart.